like I was a hero. And then they start talking about me like I'm trailer trash. That's what this show is about. Do we like to watch? I really want to have something more. Something spiritual. But I don't want really the I want magic. Yes, yes, magic. You stay in a hotel called It's Zackling Lichichi. I'm so popular. And this is the last episode of the first season of my show. And maybe you didn't realize that I'm so popular as a show with seasons. But when I first started, I envisioned the show as just a chance to get my friends on the phone and talk to me for an hour and a half about whatever it is I want to talk about that week. And up until this point, that is what I'm So Popular has been. And I'm really proud of what I've accomplished so far. And I think it's a testament to my relationships and why I value them and what we can get out of each other from conversation. However, I believe I have a new mission and sort of a renewed vision for what I want to do with my show. And in order to make the bridge from what I've done so far to what I want to do next, I think I have to end the first season. And more importantly, I think I have to figure out exactly what this show has been up to this point, what I want it to be moving forward, why I do it, and I have to break it apart. And above all else, I have to kill the podcaster. I wish you'd give him... Oh. Um, oh, hi, Bushkin. Here comes my cat. <laughs> Here, wait, can Pushkin be on the podcast? Pushkin, Pushkin. What is I'm So Popular? I'm So Popular is a way of life. I wake up to that shit. No, I don't want a fake answer. What is it? I'm So Popular is a podcast uh, currently hosted by uh, Zach Langley uh, Soryu, I believe. Uh, And (laughs) not quite. (laughs) Am I close? Chi Chi. Chi Chi. Fuck. Um. Podcast. You got the Oscar name correct, but not quite. Podcast just about, you know, uh, you know, gay stuff, uh, politics, maybe more gay stuff. I haven't actually listened to most of these. I'm going to be honest. Fair enough. But so what, what does the podcast sound like? Like, what are the aesthetic conventions? Quickly. Aesthetic conventions. Uh, wow. Uh, that is a very good question and <laughs> uh I fucking i don't know 
What are the inspirations behind this show? Uh, Madonna. Okay. What else? Uh, fucking... It's not like the doomsday clock is exactly getting any closer. I mean, I think like, it may already be as close as it will get at this point. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't think it's getting any close. I think, like, what do you call it? If it was ever close, it was the Cold War. Yeah. And now it's... now it's just uh, the long march of neoliberalism. Well, that's kind of what I diagnose uh, Apocalypse as. It's not like some human extinction event or some nuclear bomb going off, but kind of like the pacified state that we've been put in where there is no authentic expression or actual politics or literally any kind of functioning existence outside of capitalism so i think yeah i guess if we're using that as a definition we are rapidly approaching the apocalypse because i think that we're getting close to a point where there's uh no way out yeah um and you know at one point during the black lives matter um, protests when they first started, I was, like, kind of um, awed and, like, I was, like, overjoyed that, like, oh, my God, people can actually, like, mass organize and do something. But then I watched as it just, like, piddled out into, like, brands, basically, as, you know, Nike jumps on the movement to get 20 more bucks for their shoes or whatever garbage it is. And the entire movement didn't accomplish almost anything but just a lot of, like, it was like a, a valve for upset, you know. Yeah, like I, there's definitely there's definitely been analysis of that where like social movements have there's always been a bit of a tendency of popular social movements movements to like fizzle out or be easily misdirected by capital. Exactly, and when that's like the most um like consequential thing that's happened in terms of activism in America in like the what the last like five years or so. And it has absolutely no effect at all. I'm like, what are we going to do? Yeah, the answer is um, do the work. Yeah, do the just work. do the work. That's what the, do the work. Join the DSA. <laughs> Join the DSA. Buy sex work is work. Sex work is work. Mutual aid. 
Yeah. Mutual aid sponsored by IOC. <laughs> and see, my work, what I envision this podcast is, is as my work. It's like some <laughs> like last stake post to cling to as the floods begin to gush in. Like that I can like some fucking faggoty stake in the mud that I can hold on to as the world gets washed out and I, I want to I want to save myself from like all of this by just blabbering about like the art and the bullshit that I love. Yeah, it's like what will your job be in the um leftist commune meme? But it's like cultural <laughs> critic and podcaster. The condition uh, which we are under is so dire recently that um, sometimes I just, like, look and imagine, like, what I'm going to be doing in 10 or 15 years, and it seems almost like a gray slate in which I cannot imagine anything at all. Yeah, I definitely can agree with that. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. What do you call it? The Japanese Red Army, they had the right idea. Just cloister yourselves in Nagano, like go like snow fishing for three months and then kill everyone off until there's no survivors and you've slashed half of your friends to death and tied the rest of them to posts. And uh, the way we're going to do that is by podcasting available on Spotify and iTunes. Yeah. Well, now with uh, your Apple AirPods, you can go podcast anywhere and listen to podcasts anywhere. Yeah, podcasting is always now. Yeah, just go to a field with your iPhone and your AirPods and lie down and listen to a podcast. For a hundred years or more, the world, our world, has been dying. And not one man in these last hundred years or so has been crazy enough to put a bomb up the asshole of creation and set it off. The world is rotting away, dying piecemeal, but it needs the cryptic the cryptic grace, the cryptic grace, and it's been blown to smithereens. Not one of us is in. <laughs> Not one of us is intact, and yet we have in us all the contents and the seas between the continents and the birds of the air. We are going to put it down. The evolution, this world, which has died. Now is the time to visit the world's largest emporium of erotica. Come, experience. Erotica. Push, push, pow, pow. When I first got into really studying the clientele and making our moves, I um, noticed there wasn't that much conf- uh, conversation going on. It was a very anonymous thing. Yes, it's become <coughs> excuse me, it's becoming very social now. And I think that's the whole turn of the baths. It's turning into a social phenomenon as well as a sexual satisfaction. And uh, I think that's very healthy in the male community. It really is. So one can go to the baths uh, and uh, not have sex, just go to uh, have a good time. Uh, Certainly. Like I'd... one could go to a bar and drink, one can go to a bathhouse and drink in the beauty that's happening there. Okay, John, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. What is the value of art? 
<laughs> What's the value of art, John? Art is everything. I think we die without it. I agree. I yeah. lately we forget history, forget everything. Everything, right? Yeah. Lately, I've been trying to figure out like what to live for, right? Okay. It's art, right? It's got to be art. Hundred percent. Even if I have no ambitions of my own, art can work for me. Yeah. I can get an escape. Have exactly. something to live for. Perfect. All liberal art is crushingly unemotional and unperverted. Well, yeah, because it's um, people who are creating things um, and like the intent has to be obvious because liberalism like doesn't really do very well with uh, ambiguity. Um, I mean, you can make an argument about whether art has always been political. I mean, Orwell was talking about that in the forties. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think liberals have certainly grasped onto that idea. And so the thinking sort of goes, well, if all art is political, it better be uh, the right you know, type of politics. And so um, what you end up with is, uh, you know, a sort of art scene that is increasingly uh, didactic. One of the sort of like redeeming things things about like art is that it you know it's supposed to be in the eye of the the beholder and you can sort of like interpret it in 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 different ways but i feel like that's sort of becoming increasingly rare because you know um the intent becomes you know so obvious and a lot of it is just um the type of stuff that isn't uh, i guess is a political is just frankly like boring um it's, it's just like this weird like abstract sort of color palette (laughs) um that um i'm told is supposed to mean something but i'm not fucking buying it (laughs) (laughs) then my next question is like what to do about combating that and preserving any kind of interesting or you know emotional or human perspective art that exists and i find that the problem is so pervasive like it's so pervasive that it seeps as far down as into podcasts and even I have like the NPR urge in me to like really narrate and comment and make clear points and concision you know whereas like the ambiguity that I love in like literature and film I, I find is always like uh escaping me <laughs> in the format so I have to like wonder like what is to be done <laughs> Oh, um, I don't know. Like, I think podcast as art is like an interesting sort of concept because it does, if you're not doing a podcast, it is like journalism or something like that if you're having people just come over to have conversations like i don't feel like there's any need to like sort of incise you know or whatever like uh, sort of uh clarify things and sort of you know all that i feel like that's kind of um you know 
it's a conversation and i think that's what's like interesting about conversation like everybody knows like remembers like a conversation that they had that like somebody you know else took something completely different from than what you meant but like maybe maybe that made your point like better or more interesting I think that um, people don't really like the way that things are going and if you're willing to do something that's different I think that people are are willing to accept it I found that with like yeah. my writing which would never have been published anywhere besides Twink Rev probably And I mean, your writing has um, a lot of, like, kind of old guard, like, gay writing qualities to it, like, from before the BuzzFeed era, when, like, to be writing about any kind of, like, gay experience or gay topic, now, with any of these main journalism outputs, it's very corporatized in selling the image of a gay man who can go get married and can adopt a child and throw their disposable income at the corporate machine. But I, I find that the writing you drew for Twink Rev does not even touch that. It feels much more like reminiscent of like something that would have come out of the 70s, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think that's maybe because I kind of grew up in... I don't know, like a homophobic family or something. I don't know, like being yeah. gay, like actually meant something. And like, it actually like, um, you, you know, for a lot of people, I think like being gay, they're like, just like hasn't affected their life at all. Or like they're, um, they just sort of have to like, um, you know, go on like HuffPo queer voices to figure out like what it <laughs> means to like belong to the gay community or like, you know, whatever. And I, that's just not how I've like lived my life. hadn't I fallen in love? Why did I see so little love around me? Why did I see so few relationships that uh, were either visible or working or represented what I thought that I wanted? Was it all of this my fault? Was it the world's fault? What did homosexuality mean to me? Uh, it was an exploration of me and the gay world as, uh, as uh, 
I saw it you know, as I was trying to see it. And it became that kind of an odyssey. And I found out I really didn't know that much about it, or I hadn't faced up to thinking of I had been doing a lot of things that I hadn't been thinking about. Uh, the more I investigated, uh, the more I got angry, uh, although the novel was a comic novel. I'm happy to hear you say you can rest that matter out there. Yeah, I sure did. Uh... Giving a man or guardians of the masculine impulse to have anonymous sex in a dark alleyway is to pay homage to the dream of male freedom. Disgusting. The unknown stranger is a wandering pagan god. The altar, as in prehistory, is anywhere you kneel. Yeah, I think of like all of like, I feel like all these people started podcasts during the pandemic. And it's like just like a bunch of gays. Like one of my friends lives in LA. He's gay and his coworker, who's also gay, um, they were both like not working in the office. And then so the one guy, not my friend, my friend's friend, quit his job to start a podcast. And he's just like, so like, what are you doing? Like, what's your podcast about? How many listeners do you have? And he was just like, oh, I didn't start it yet. I just like wanted to like, you know, focus on that. And he's like, you haven't started it? He's like, no. He's like, so you quit your job and you didn't start it yet. It's like, yeah. Oh, he just thinks it's that easy. He just thinks it's that easy. <laughs> I mean, this is something that's real. I, I know loads of people who started podcasts during the pandemic, including myself. I think the difference is that a lot of people started it because they had nothing to do and they were trapped in their houses. I merely just wanted to sh- like showcase my ego more. Mm. And the thing is, though, is that there are so many gays out there starting these, like, podcasts, which are basically just, like, all the same things. Like, what do you think about the new Dua Lipa album? Oh, is it better than the new Kylie album? Like, stuff like that. It's just, like, basically they want to turn, like, they want to turn, like, Stan Twitter into a podcast. Right. And I even got comments about um, that when I first started. People were like, oh, this is, like, a Twitter feed manifested as a podcast and that's when i knew that something had to change (laughs) so basically you want to like you don't want to be like kind of like the gay club with like the big open up to the street that plays like britney remixes you don't have to be the one that's kind of like in the basement that like doesn't open till after midnight that like you have to like find through like a secret door. Yeah, I want to be like the. I don't want to be any of the chain bathhouses. You know what I mean. I don't want to be any of like the steamworks. I want to be like a dumpy, frumpy one that's like four doors down into the earth, and it has two baths and like seven hundred fuck chambers. That that kind of room. So now I have to, I I know that I want to save gay art for myself and create like a lasting product of some kind, like a lasting object that keeps these relics of media and these themes and these ideas like alive because I've, as I've already gone over today on this episode, I uh, find that like liberalism is really sucking out the perversion and 
extremity of art. So I know I want to do that, but I, uh, I'm still kind of held back by my ego because I think it's, um, I think that's probably the, the biggest thing I have to surmount with the podcast. But it's a product of your ego. I mean, it's, it's that to the extreme and I still feel tugs of self-consciousness about it. And I think though that kind of um, tension is what is making me feel like I need to take a new approach with it because as it stands, like the really disparate episodes about, you know, whatever it was I was talking about for the first 25 hours of content, it's like, it doesn't sound like my ego expresses a podcast. It sounds like something that's been filtered through something else. What is your favorite thing you talk about in the podcast? The, my Mishima episode is my favorite one that I've done. I think that's like one of your best ones. I think so too. And it's because I was so in tune with my guest and we were both like really serious about like going into the novels we were talking about and the film. And I thought that that is like the closest sounding to what I want my podcast to be. So how do you make the podcast more like that episode? I have to kill the podcaster today. We have to bury I'm so popular for once and for all so it can be reborn after seven days like Jesus. Was it seven days? days Ask why everybody makes a podcast here. Should we go first? I, oh, I mean, why do you make one? <laughs> um, because it's fun, flirty, sexy. Yeah, it, it was an incredibly great outlet during this um or during these unprecedented times. <laughs> to be honest, I was excruciatingly depressed at the top of this year when we started. Yeah, yep. <laughs> to the point of where I was like writing manifestation lists and posting them on my wall and like weeping. <laughs> So I was literally just like, this year I have to pursue some kind of thing. Like, it's going to be like, it's either I have to actually, like, write some stuff or I actually have to, like, start a podcast yeah. <laughs> or whatever. And, like, it was, uh, I, I do think that, like, it's it's um, it's um a nice thing to look forward to in the middle of the week for us. Because mm-hmm. I do think that, like, in terms of um my sort of, like, post-grad uh, delirium 
it's kind of a way that I get to feel like like all of the bullshit that I endured through school and all the stuff that I really give a shit about like I actually get an opportunity to talk about it and like forget about my humiliating service industry job (laughs) yeah and like we just naturally like love making people laugh we had like all of our friends and family being like get those mics get those faggots a mic yeah (laughs) (laughs) so it just like we like we now we just go unscripted like we just kind of do our thing and we've gotten a lot better at it so it's like a skill yeah Yeah, no it is a skill and i mean even on top of that i kind of talked earlier in this episode about like what it means like make gay art or like why that's important and Mm -hmm. even if that topic doesn't like you know explicitly associate themselves that way i think what you are doing is creating like faggot art like am i wrong No, I mean, it's, like, the biggest thing for me was, like, uh, it's, um, the big project of it for me is that I felt so, the other part of it was that I felt so, like, crazy with the way that other gay people were talking. Yeah. And, like, the sorts of, like, the routes that gay people I knew were going down politically and socially and whatever where I started to feel crazier by the day where I was like, is there literally no one on the planet that thinks like this? Like, where it was like, <laughs> right. they can't just be like my one other gay friend who I lived with that like, think like who agrees with me. Shared thoughts, yeah. Yeah, and then like, it was, it's the cool part about the whole thing is that like now that people actually listen, like I've never had like gay friends my whole life that like n- sort of was on the same wavelength as me. Yeah. You know? And like, it's kind of, it's it's crazy to think that like for like despite the fact that our show is so dedicated to like I hate gay people, <laughs> it's nice that it's also welcomed in this other part of like, um, I I like gay people now. I just had to find the right ones. No, I agree because I mean when I started my podcast, I, I've had lots of segments talking about like my love for gay art and gay people. But if you look at the mainstream, sorry, mainstream is a retarded word. But like if you look at like the, <laughs> if you look at like what the popular consensus is, like gay art is completely dead and stupid and uninteresting. But then yeah. you mm. find those like gay voices that are actually doing like what I believe is the genuine work of gay culture, which I believe mm-hmm. to be thought topics and myself. <laughs> Duh. And yeah. And so I want to. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to really like focus my my podcast on that energy, and it's the same reason why I have a lot of um, appreciation and respect for Twink Revolution, which is because they have a political viewpoint that is explicitly homosexual in terms of its cultural presentation and its artistic presentation and um, in terms of like their material beliefs, but it's still in a way that avoids the retarded faggotry that we see in basically <laughs> any gay podcast. That we see in our show. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, um, you know, when I was like a 15-year-old little faggot trying to figure out like um, what it meant to be kind of kind of gay or whatever, like what does this mean? And, and what I always feared so much is, as somebody who at that time was also developing like strong political convictions was the terror of like, I, I would like to be taken seriously. Yeah, me in this too. Regard, yeah. Right. I, yeah. Yeah. I feel like everyone. Gets, yeah. I don't. I don't. The, the problem is to 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 feel what gay representation meant at that point was to was to feel um, as though you were maybe frivolous, catty, yeah. which I am all of those things. Of course. But I, I of my <laughs> own choosing. Um, and so I guess the sort of you know Sam was really the the, the uh, progenitor of the podcast, but I I was I was kind of keen to get involved, only cause what it has sort of proved out is like there's a um, there's an audience for both you know my my two great projects in life one is like to to be gay in a way which uh, permits a lot of range for being gay in your own personal way, yeah. and then and then also 
to be a Marxist in a way that um, is just be fucking normal. <laughs> like I don't. I would like to be able to both both yeah. both be a Marxist and not be deeply alienating yeah. to every yeah. other fucking human being on earth. Yeah, and so. I guess the, the 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 purpose the purpose of the art, if you if you would call it that, is is to try to marry those two desires. Yeah, and in a way, there's is... no one better than a gay person to bridge those gaps because there's no one more deeply unserious, like no one more devotedly like silly <laughs> that like could make something as like daunting and stupid as like Marxism, like come across as semi-normal. <laughs> like, yeah, and mm. even beautiful. You know, I think that Twink Revolution has the habit of being able to portray Marxism as like this fabulous cultural force. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll get a lot of haters of like people who like oh. These people are trying to protrude like Marxism as like relevant and like interesting. It's like, well, yeah, because we're not like dumbass, like stupid faggots. Like, we know like how to like brand shit, or we are, but it's like it it represents the interests of like the majority. It's like you were like, oh, why would they talk about like gay rights and like Marxism and like class politics, like? Because, like, that's what's interesting to majorities. Yeah. Everyone, like, loses their interest. Like, oh. Everyone's like, oh, well, these gays are dumb faggots and they don't believe in anything. <laughs> it's like, no. Like. Um, I believe in sticking um, balloons to walls with really fucking anodyne statements. Yeah. That's, like, my <laughs> or yeah. culture. That's what I believe yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, what we really enjoy doing is, like, adding like this like stupid retarded silly twist to like certain topics to like make them digestible yeah, yeah. because like yeah. we still have these voices that are like um like unapologetic but also like we talk about stupid shit all the time but in a way where like people enjoy it people kind of still are able to well, process it yeah i mean i think a big part of like the the thing that like has surprised me about like the way that our show has gone is that like i felt i think both of us felt pretty ill-equipped to talk about anything other than like Normani and like <laughs> Kylie Minogue and whatever. Yeah. And then like once you sort of like push that boundary of being like, how much further can I take this? Like in a way, um, it's nice to see that you can sort of talk about like, I don't know. No, no, I know exactly like, what you mean. And I feel that precisely to a T because when I started the podcast, I really thought I could only talk about things that were kind of more like, I don't want to say basic, but topics that are more accessible but then yeah. the deeper i got in and the more like precise and in-depth i got into my topics i realized that i have more like artistic capacity in me for like this podcasting medium than i ever knew and so now i want to commit completely to that yeah, yeah. Well, it's, zach what's interesting about you i feel like is um uh uh the, the project the road sam and i were on early on was always playing with the kind of twink imagery and, and it led to people to not, or it led to a sense of surprise whenever people, whenever we would sort of subvert that, right. Yeah. And be like, damn, they're engaging deeply with something. Cause it, it's, this is completely counter to the, the, the imagery of all this thing. The funny thing is when I encountered you and started listening very religiously to I'm so popular, I was like, Oh my fucking God. <laughs> this is um, my my expectation being subverted. Somebody has done this game way better. Yeah. Because um, I feel like you will you will say things with a with a, a a blunt bravery that I wouldn't, and not 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 for lack of courage. Uh, it's more for I think um, um, an ability to sort of like 
grasp the right turn of phrase right at the right moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so anyway, you, you, you continue to impress and stun me in that regard because you will, do, you will just do shit in this medium that I will not do. And can't do. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the funny thing. It's like, um, initially it was like, oh, we'll do like a pop culture thing. Which like fat topics did far better than we could ever achieve. I feel the same way. And it, like, like no, totally. Like I don't. I'm not gonna like deny. Like it's like clearly like fat topics did the pop culture thing far. Like people like like early. I'm like, oh, it's red scare, but like gay. And it's like no, fat topics did it much better. Fat topics is. Like, I'm not, not bullshitting. Like, I agree. It's it just it's just yeah, facts. And yeah, I'm like, like, um, having those like kind of like awkward conversations about like politics and like culture and stuff was like a very much like Zach Lanley Chi Chi thing. I'm like, oh well they do it better than us. Like <laughs> like we did No, I am not being no, like I'm, I'm not, so charmed. I'm, not bullshit. I'm, like, I'm blushing, that's all. No, because like we found our brand and it wasn't what we intended to like go for. It was like, oh we'll do like politics and shit. But it's not ever gonna be like a red scare or like anything like kind of that it's very different it's not educational and it's also not red scare yeah but you guys both found your niches because like i remember like i posted in our, our secret group chat like like oh like i was like oh these gays are doing a podcast i'm like for you two like you were so different from the red scare or like other brands where i'm like oh there's no like even the crossover because you do it so better than like we could ever even do it's like <laughs> It's like, oh, it's you, you, you found your niche. We're like, it's not even like comparable. Like, you do it far better than like I could even imagine, like Twink Rev or anything like that. Right. Well, now I want to, you know, commit to that completely. <laughs> and the, the, I'm, I'm immensely flattered by all of the beautiful compliments yes, you just Sam. gave to me. God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like blushing literally. When we get out of the glass bottle of our ego and when we escape like the squirrels in the cage of our personality and get into the forest again, we shall shiver with cold and fright. But things will happen to ourselves. Fuck. But things will happen to us that we don't know ourselves. Call our mind life Russia. Do you ever feel self-conscious about your art? About my? About your art. What art? Your drag. No, actually, I feel the most confident when I'm in drag. But it's like a self-expression to you, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I mean, it's an alter ego. So when you're doing it, do you ever get worried that you're not doing it authentically or like to the best of your ability or that it's not portraying the you that you want to show? I just suck it up and do it. Right, but is that feeling ever there? I mean, yeah. I mean, I still do get nervous every time before I go on stage, so... Well, I obviously do too. And sometimes I, when I'm done with the show, or while I'm doing the show, I'm just wishing, like, can I just go backstage and do it all over again, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think about my St. Vincent performance with my computer every single time. I'm like, I fucking wish I could do that one again. But, I mean, when I watch it over, like, you know, because somebody will always film it with me, when I watch it over, I'm like, okay, I look fine. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Girl, as long I've as never been this earnest on record ever. Yeah. No, I'm being completely honest. I believe you. The, okay. the complete yeah. sentences. Well, people can judge on my It was very like reality show. Yeah. <laughs> or I never memorize all the lyrics and my lip sync is not always the best. Yeah. I, I, I know I'm aware of that, but as long as I look good, yeah. So you don't have to do anything to like overcome your nerves or you know your doubt about your art ever. You just push through it. Yeah, I just push through it. Gang bang on a way wrong podcast. <laughs> Gang bang. <laughs> so I've talked to you a little bit about this already, about my um, anxiety about the state of my podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now I've gotten to the point where I know what I want to do. And it's that I want to preserve my homosexual vulgar opinion on art and media and theme to the best of my ability so that's mm-hmm. the point that we've gotten to right yeah and i know i can do that with uh gangbang actually because you were one of my earlier guests and that was one of the episodes that like clicked do you know what i mean Mm-hmm. like when we recorded that it clicked it clicked it was a it was a mess but it clicked yeah because i mean the inebriation and the alcohol kind of freed me from the typical podcasting restraints and we went on a rampage for two hours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I still can't listen back to that episode. I haven't listened back since um, since you first uploaded it. And for me, having never done podcasts before, it was also very hard to listen back to that episode. Yeah, but it like, gets listen easier, back right? to my voice for an hour. You know, it gets now I now I don't mind. Like even the first few episodes of Gangbang, when I would have to edit them the next morning, I was dreading it. Not because of the work or anything, not that it takes that much work, yeah. but having to listen back to myself for a couple hours was was a daunting um thought. Now it's fine. Now I've accepted it. It it's fine. I thought we had a really good rhythm going and it was like really fun. And I thought that together we kind of ended up achieving what I want I'm So Popular's mission to be now, which is to kind of crystallize that homosexual cruelty and anger. Do you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> I keep saying, do you know what I mean? Everyone knows what I mean. Do you know what I mean? It's like in Japanese. You know what I mean? When I, mean <laughs> when I say Japanese and I just like am requesting that other person to comment, I can just be like, nah. And then they will have to respond. But in English, I'm like, Right? Do you know what I mean? Right? Yeah? Yeah? 
So then when you asked me to do gangbang, at first I was like, well, I don't want to do two podcasts at once. I might be spreading myself too thin. But I ultimately saw that we could accomplish something kind of major together. Nah. Mm-hmm. Nah. <laughs> I, I think so. I mean, I think, I don't know. First of all, for just for a personal reason, just that two-hour week of complete inebriation and gay screaming is, like, uh, needed. It's valuable. <laughs> it's valuable to, well, to me also. I don't care if five people listen to it or th- 300 people listen to it. It's something I need to do, this cleanse, this weekly cleanse. Right. Um, but then if people like it, I'm good with that too. Well, that's kind of what I realized as well, is that I think when I first started making I'm So Popular, it was like I was making it for other people. Hmm. I think about my early episodes and it's like, here's what I'm going to talk about this week. We're going to talk about Katy Perry this week. We're going to talk about this Netflix movie that I don't care about this week. Here's two topics that I think people are going to be interested in. It yielded good moments, but nonetheless, it still feels more like a, a performative or like I was putting on a show. Whereas then I go on Gangbang and it's like I don't have a uh, like an agenda. It's just us getting knocked out and then like droning and slobbering on the microphones fuck you Cher (laughs) (laughs) and I don't know doing gangbang with you has kind of shown to me what I'm capable of doing with podcasting Mm. well I'm glad it could be of help yeah you finally do something useful finally finally (laughs) right at the end of the year I've, I've managed to achieve one thing you're 25 episodes of I'm so popular later and now I get it Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Now what I have to do is I have to make I'm so popular into what I want it to be and not what I want it to be for everybody else. It's time. It's time. And that's hopefully what this episode is doing. And it's bizarre talking to you about it where I'm also kind of addressing the audience at once. But I have to find another way. I'm a surrogate for the audience. Yeah, I'm screaming at you so I can scream at all 40, like 14 people. <laughs> you know? You know? Yes, we do know, Zach. We know. We know. We are aware. <laughs> we are aware. Also, I don't know what part of this episode I come in, but I'm not aware of what the fuck you've been talking about for the past hour. Oh, it's if, been. If it's at the end. It's been a so lot. It, so the audience will know, but I have absolutely no clue. <laughs> well, to me, it doesn't even matter if they know anymore because. Like I said, I am making this for me now, and I have to make this aesthetic transition, and I have to put the first 25 episodes, like, into their own narrative box, you know? I have to... I fucking did it again! (laughs) I love how this is, like, your end, uh, how you're closing um, 2020 with I'm So Popular, and we close Gangbang with, and fuck you, Israel! Fuck you, Gal Gadot! Good night! (laughs) But it has its purpose, and... Oh, I mean, no, that's, I'm just pointing out the difference. Gangbang, there was no other way to do it. Yeah, you described it really well, which is that, I still can't get this out of my head, I think it's so perfect, is that uh, Gangbang is untucked to I Am So Popular's Drag Race. Hmm. Or the the Wendy Williams show to your Oprah. Live from New York City, it's the Wendy Williams Show.
so I think that those first 25 episodes are a beautiful shimmering like mirage in the distance of me talking to my friends like putting on a show and then this is kind of the final break in which I can actually escape from pursuing it I think there's some real I mean actually no there's hardly any dads I think they're all good because you're you're funny and even if some of your guests weren't bringing it I think that makes for still uh, amusing episodes but one of the things I realized is that you can kind of say whatever you podcasting is the last great western frontier where there is very little moderation for one people who aren't interested in hearing what you have to say aren't going to go through the effort to listen to the whole episode i mean i said terrible things about those ya authors i called them slurs (laughs) i made fun of them i insulted their appearance and none of them actually ventured deep enough into the episode to like hear it and i always knew from that point that i can just be forthright and present myself the same as i do in public but at the same time when I first started, I was not aware of that, and I was very guarded about what I will and won't say. And now I'm throwing that into the garbage. Fuck that. As you should. Exactly. You're Alex Jones era. So, Zach, these are the answers to your questions uh, for the podcast. Um, I don't know if I should introduce myself, but, yeah, my name name is Matt Robinson. (laughs) I'm a friend of Zach's, and uh, for his podcast, I'm going to answer three questions that he's sent to me. Um, So, let's see. Number one, why do I think that Zach started podcasting? Um, (laughs) I think that one's probably probably pretty straightforward. I think... uh, Zach probably started podcasting because whether he, whether he admits it or not, I think Zach probably wants to be pretty famous. Um, I think that's probably one of his, his goals in life. Um, he also really likes to say controversial things at times or <laughs> things that might intentionally get under people's skin, uh, which is great. That's one of the best parts of uh, talking to Zach. So I think kind of combining those two into a platform where Zach can spew controversial things while at the same time, uh, you know, inching closer towards being famous. It was a, you know, a good combination to get there. So that's <laughs> probably why I think Zach started uh, podcasting. Um, let's go number two. Have I ever noticed uh, Zach's egocentricism? If so, when? Um, I think <laughs> if anyone's ever talked to Zach about anything he's he's passionate about, um, that you might happen to disagree with. Uh, you've probably, for better or worse, noticed Zach's egocentricism. Um, anyone who's familiar with his Twitter, uh, you can just scroll. Probably in the near, you know, recent past, there's probably some group of people Zach has gotten in an argument with over Twitter. Um, <laughs> that is probably showing off uh, some of his egocentricism. Um, those are always pretty entertaining, so <laughs> worth looking through. Um, all right, number three, what is the purpose and function of art? 
I think ultimately art is probably done for the purpose of bringing joy to, to whoever created the art. I don't think ultimately people necessarily create art, you know, for the purpose of selling it. Um, I think ultimately they do it for themselves. And if they happen to, if other people happen to enjoy it, then that's just a, uh, added bonus, but art can be anything. So, you know, ultimately I think it comes from, you know, the, the function and, and purpose is to bring joy to whoever creates it. And if they enjoy, you know, the process of, making that and and enjoy looking at it then that's the, the the purpose and function of art all right zach there's your questions and answers uh excited to hear how this one turns out thanks yeah Yep, that like pretty much sums up your uh, podcast yeah, persona. Up to this point, right? So yep. what I've learned from doing that is that I think I accomplished my initial mission, which was just to have stupid gay conversations with whoever I wanted. But what I've gathered and gained from that format is that I actually can do more at the podcast than I originally intended. I I think everyone will find that um, when I come back from my little one week or two week break that things are going to sound quite a bit like they did before. But when season two starts, I know that for me, I have a new perspective and I know what I'm doing and I know what I want to do. Since I've started this project, it's become a part of my drag. It's become a part of my writing and I feel as a sort of collective, it is the best way I have of expressing myself and doing all the things I've talked about today. This direction I'm taking, whether or not it feels different next season when you join me again, I know that I feel that this is the best way I have of creating something that lasts, whether or not there is an apocalypse or whether or not there's another faggoty voice that needs to be heard in the world. Whether that's necessary or not, I know that from this point and from all the conversations I've had on this show that I'm doing something I'm really proud of. So I'd like to thank everybody who's been listening through season one and will hopefully continue to join me for the next artistic step in my self-expression and my navel-gazing. And I'd also like to thank Twink Revolution and Thought Topics in particular for uh, embracing me with open arms and actually becoming dear friends in this process. And there's no way I can't say fuck you, Sharon. Thank you so much, David, for all the support. He basically assured me that this episode could happen and wouldn't be stupid. So thank you for the confidence and uh, Ghost Room Gangbang. And I'd like to thank the Perfume Nationalist as well for their incredible artistic 
contribution to the world of podcasting that has inspired me very deeply, as I'm sure anyone who's heard their podcast in tonight's episode can attest to. And of course, finally, thank you so much to all of my beautiful guests who have chosen to show their faces again on my narcissistic, homosexual, disaster apocalypse tornado of a podcast. And thank you again to all the listeners. So I'm really happy to be here. And on that note, ja, mata ne. Mm-hmm.